Welcome to the Fit for Privacy podcast with Punit Bhatia. This is the podcast for those who care about their privacy. Here, your host, Punit Bhatia, has conversations with industry leaders about their perspectives, ideas, and opinions relating to privacy, data protection, and related matters. Be aware that the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not legal advice. Let us get started. As a privacy professional, it is always challenging how do you explain to a business professional? Because business people are always keen on business dimension, while privacy, we have some other things and they look at it as a challenge. Then there's also the perspective of how do you tell them about data breaches and help them prepare for data breaches. And most importantly, it is always a challenge because Business people look at it privacy as a project while privacy is a journey. Now, if you have to do these things, that is explain them privacy as a journey, you need to take care of the maturity models. So how do we as privacy professionals take care of these things that is explaining data breach, helping them understand privacy from a business perspective and also understanding the maturity models without using the jargon and the technical language on privacy. This is something we will discuss with my special friend and privacy colleague, Swetsina Lungarova. She's from Bulgaria and has a lot of knowledge in this field. So let's go and have a conversation with her. So here we are with Swetsina Lungarova. Welcome, Ina. How are you feeling today? Hi, Punit. I'm super happy to be here and thanks very much for your invitation. Thanks for being with us. And maybe let's start or break the ice with a simple question. When you think about GDPR, what's the one word that comes to your mind? Ah, uh, yeah, I was expecting that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've watched the other episodes. So, yeah, uh, I would say consistency. Uh, consistency. Yeah, definitely. And what's on your mind when you say consistency? You know, when you have to <clears throat> create the perfect uh, symmetry between mm -hmm. what you are telling people that you're doing and what you are actually doing at this level, and then uh, within everything in your in your plate, I would say, uh, you you need symmetry and uh, you need uh, to have it consistent. You cannot just put something in, into privacy notice while your uh, records of processing activities uh, say uh, something else, for example. So mm -hmm. whenever you go for it, it's like to play a Sudoku game. It mm -hmm. should be the same result everywhere. Yeah. Okay. That's wonderful. And tell us something about your journey. How come you enter into or come into the privacy world? Because uh, with your background, from what I understand, you've been a legal professional. You've also been in facilities management and then also a bit, fair bit in IT. So you have the right elements, but how did you end up or how did you get into the field of privacy? Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, I get this question very often because um, what I've seen so far is that usually people in our field are coming from uh, usually a legal background or IT background. Uh, in my case, uh, it's more kind of an uh, interdisciplinary approach, let's say. And it was a long journey because uh, when I started my career path, I just wanted to uh, be an administrative manager. So to, to run an administration of a company, 
to make it sustainable in the way it exists, not the business it's doing. So despite of the business of the company, it should be held like a person. Uh, it should has uh, its uh, processing uh, going properly. Uh, and that's why I was uh, focused in learning the different aspects of this, uh, let's say, creature, if a business is a creature company. Hmm. Uh, and uh, for that reason, I've spent some time into different domains. Uh, I've been dedicated to administration. Uh, I've been dedicated also to finance, uh, also marketing, also uh, projects, uh, facility management, so different, really different as aspects, all of it, uh, in order to understand how it works. So uh, back in 2016, uh, I was uh, in the marketing part of that journey, uh, and I was working for an IT company providing services for healthcare industry. So it was quite complicated because uh, the services they were providing, also the products they were uh, developing back then, uh, it was all related to processing a lot of personal data, sensitive data, and uh, they wanted to grow and uh, asked me to put in place a plan how we are going to develop our relationships and how we are going to expand our business uh, within Europe and not only. So back then I didn't know about the restraints that we had related to data transfers. And I was, uh, we, we were having lunch with my manager and I was like, well, that's super easy. We just go and find some partners. We have all the <laughs> infrastructure set up here in Bulgaria. So it's super easy. We now have to just reuse it number, number of times in different countries. And uh, he was like, no, 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 it's not, it's not that easy. You, you need to have an infrastructure everywhere you want to, to do business uh, with that field, within that field because you cannot actually transfer the data. And I was shocked. I was super shocked that someone cares about it and there is a rule forbidding us to do that. I was super shocked to learn that. So this is uh, basically how I get to know about uh, personal data, about that there is uh, regulations in place, what's the reasoning behind that, etc. And it was uh, like um, uh, when when you, when you have uh, when you get lemons, you have to make uh, yourself lemonade. So as a marketing person, I I felt super restrained by that, and. This was right the time they, they, they actually adopted GDPR and that said, they said that it's going to uh, come into force in two years. So I was super happy to see it as an enabler because it was solving my problem at that moment. And that was super important for me. And um, that's why I said, OK, look, uh, this is going to be our competitive advantage because uh, many people, many companies, as I didn't know that so far, uh, maybe in the same position, or they may not have, uh, uh, let's say, free resources to invest into that at this moment. So I was uh, super interested uh, of getting this company on the top of that in a way that in 2018 it will be actually um, right uh, straight to the point and compliant. And uh, it will build solutions because they were building solutions back then uh, they will be built with uh, having this in mind. So it's been privacy engineering, privacy by design at that very moment without actually I, I realized that this was my pure instinct about it. That's why I, I believe that it's, it's the right way to go 
And although it has bad reputation uh, amongst business, because let's be honest, uh, when talking about GDPR to business people, they're like, oh, it's uh, thousands of papers of documents and stuff. It's uh, it's something I, I don't like, but it is actually an enabler. And whenever I tell this story to someone from business background, they tend to, to, to change their perspective on that. So that's why I'm super happy to share it here as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think when uh, we become a consultant, because for those of us who started in 2015, 2016, just like you and me, uh, we have had the experience of working in different uh, engagements, different projects, and that gives us the advantage. And just like you have facilities, IT and legal, when you're multidisciplinary, you it makes it easier for you to understand GDPR and apply GDPR, apply privacy in different ways in different elements and that's why when i was talking to you the other day you were talking about privacy maturity models i mean i'm also a great fan of privacy maturity models because for companies that have implemented gdpr it's time to measure the maturity and take it to the next level and also have an aspiration plan for a few years how do they improve and how do they get more mature on a going ongoing basis because as we say i'm sure you also say as as a consultant saying privacy is a journey it's not a project so if it's not a project you need to continually improve it continually measure and uh, monitor so i like to understand a little bit more in detail so what's your view and how do you go about this privacy maturity models when you're working with your clients yeah um I, I'm I'm super happy that uh, you're bringing up this uh, topic here because um, uh, as as we already discussed that uh, recently with you, it's uh, super helpful and uh, it it is at least in my practice so far it's been super helpful. Also from the um, uh, first stage, uh, first contact that I got with clients, because it is a good way nice way if you systemize it and uh, show it properly and explain it properly to actually educate people uh, uh, into that domain briefly to the level that they could understand what service do you offer uh, in general because they are not coming from our background they're, they're not people who know our perspectives they just know oh we we need to comply with gdpr there is a set of rules and we have to look for someone to help us do that but um they don't actually know what kind of offer they are going to get sometimes they still see it as a project and we have to we have to discuss about that uh, i have to educate them it's not a project it's a, it's a program so maturity model uh, if you have a good uh, nice summary of it good example it helps in the in in the first conversation with uh, uh, with the client to explain them what what could be in place from zero let's say to uh, uh, to to maintain and then you could use this uh, this as a navigation and ask them okay where do you want to be in like next one month three months or year or three years uh, how much is enough for you? Because, uh, to be honest, it depends on uh, their uh, risk appetite. It's not that uh, anyone is just aiming at perfect 100% uh, compliance at any single moment. We have to admit that. So you show them a map of 
what is zero and what is uh, what is hero, let's say, uh, in that field. And you ask them, where do you want to get? And then based on that, you could actually align the expectations and be able to uh, make a proper suggestion, proper offer to that customer. And also, yep. after that, it, it helps a lot during the life cycle to actually set up a plan in place to prioritize, to, to make the gap analysis, to perform it on it, and, and actually compare uh, uh, if, if you have delivered what is expected, what you have agreed, and what you have offered. So I use it to actually uh, establish good management of my relationship with customers, not only to put in place uh, for them for their own purposes. It helps me as a consultant a lot. Absolutely, it does. I think it reminds me of an example. Last year, we were talking with a <clears throat> client or at that time, somebody who wanted to become a client and he was asking me, Punit, how long it will take us to become GDPR compliant? I said, forever. Forever. And he said, really? I said, yes, really, because you'll never be compliant. The way it works is you set up, we do a gap analysis, you do a little bit, then we take care of those actions. And by that time, your business has changed. So we are back a little bit back from where we start or where we were. So you start again with another gap analysis and another time because your business keeps changing. Your compliance needs also keep changing. So you make your privacy notice or statement. We think it's final. Six months later, business wants to do a new project, new product. And for that, we have to change the privacy notice again. So it is a never ending process. So he was like, so how much it will cost me forever? And I was like, anywhere between 25,000 to 50 million based on where you are. And he said, oh, 50 million. And we don't have that. And I said, I also said 25,000. So you'll be more on the lower side than on the higher side. So. If I look at it, we spent maybe 200 to 250,000 with them, but we put in exactly what you're saying. We said you are at a zero or a minus one and you have a level of five. Where do you want to be? And when I explained them, they were like, we don't want to be at level five because that's not our aspiration. We don't want to be. So the aspiration was somewhere around 3.5 or four. And we are gradually building towards that. And I think we are at a score of around two, if I last remember. So yes, as a consultant for you and me, this is one thing that allows us to have a conversation because they come up with a fixed binary mindset to do GDPR compliance, how much it costs, how many weeks or months, that's it. What yeah, they don't realize is, yeah, go ahead. They see it like a checkbox. Ah, now we, yeah. we are not, uh, if we are now, yes, no. Yeah. So I wish it was yes, no, zero, one, but it's always, it depends because sometimes they ask a question and then they say, last time you said this, this time you're saying this. And I say, it's a contextual situation based on the context, based on the need, based on the demand we change. And we have to advise you in that function because if you are processing personal data for five people, then the answer will be different. If it's 5,000, then it will be different. And also sending an email to five people about Reminding something that's different, but selling something that's very, very, very different. So it's not you think it's an email and a question to privacy, but for us, it's what do you do in the email or what do you communicate? So it's very interesting. In fact, there's another topic that is very interesting when we talk to clients apart from maturity. And I like to touch base on that. 
that is data breaches you know yeah. uh, typically when i meet clients they will say so we put a process we are fine and i would say no or sometimes they will say we didn't have a data breach for last 5 years then i give them the stats the industry standards and i say it usually happens in i think 3.6 second or something like that 3 or 4 seconds for a company and i tell them it's a question of when you will have it it's not a question if you will have it you will have it the only question is when you will have it and uh, then again it's not a process it's a continuous thing but what has been your experience because data breaches is a heavy topic and i know uh, having spoken to you many a times that you are passionate about it what has been your experience in data breaches yeah that's why i'm smiling since you just mentioned it um i i love it and uh, there is one uh, very simple reason for loving it when you have the problem uh, at your table this is when you are fully dedicated to it this is when you trust it's happening this is when you actually have your full attention on it and um this is let's say the time when i take some um how to say that um i'm on a vacation let's say mm-hmm. from explaining to people that privacy matters that it's mm-hmm. important that they have to comply because they have to comply this is when everyone is super uh interested in what will happen next what they have to do this is when they all get dedicated to it this is when mm-hmm. they all know it's important so it can be absolutely hands on the topic itself um and that's why i really enjoy that part of uh, of my work of course it's something bad to happen to a company but as you just mentioned it's uh, inevitable it's just a matter of time when it's going to happen not about uh, is it going to happen it will so i i really like the um the concentration the focus they have on it uh the discipline that i see uh, at that time I really like how people get organized and how they are willing to not let it happen again. Because uh, whenever we are doing our privacy trainings, explaining to them that hypothetically it might happen that you are in a situation of a data breach, having the 72 hour assessing everything etc etc etc, they don't feel they owe this problem. They, they own this problem. and uh, during data breach uh, this this changes tremendously so this is why i love it uh, i'm i'm super happy to see the practical aspect of what we have done of what we have built uh, where it cracked uh, why uh, what we can do better and to see all this energy concentrated and uh, be given from uh, from anyone in the process so yeah i really do love that intense moment what i really enjoy is uh, in data breaches when somebody says we are data breach ready so i tell them let's do a simulation or a, what we call a tabletop exercise so we will between a core group of people we will plan a breach or breach like situation and we will not tell anyone and we will see what happens in the company it's same like the phishing emails which we get on a regular basis and then we say hey let's try it and when we try it when we do it 
more often than not what will happen is there will be new surprises like most people don't know there's a process most people don't understand this is a breach most people don't know what to do in a situation it's always fascinating first the phase of saying it's not important then saying let's put a process and then saying it's done and then finally when you test it out you realize that it's important and i've done uh, quite a few of these exercises and it's always fascinating how much you learn or how much the organization learns from a simulated incident or simulated breach and how much the management learns about the readiness aspect of the organization yeah, I absolutely agree with what you say. And uh, uh, speaking about simulations, I would also say that uh, we recently had a simulation uh, with one of my um, clients. And uh, the, the most interesting uh, aspect of uh, our findings was that actually they, they were not prepared to, 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 to take decisions. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, uh, the, the owners of, of risks, they, they didn't actually realized what does it mean to be an owner of such a risk what types of decision they will have to make uh, in a certain situation so actually uh, it turned out that in terms of process it was it was pretty good uh, setting but at the same time uh, we need to work with those people to bring the topic closer to them and to show them better what the translation of those things in the boxes mean for them in in actual um, situation so it was super absolutely. super interesting absolutely and i think one of the things i also realize is typically when we are done with the project or say the consultancy engagement they will say okay it's done and you usually tell them that if you need dpo as a service privacy as a service fractional privacy officer whatever you need essentially saying we that is whether it's you or me or whosoever it is, we tell them that, hey, we are available. And if you want to subscribe to this as a service, you need to keep us on your, on your say, retainer or a fixed number of hours a month or a week. And typically the answer is no, I think we are done. We are good. And then a few months later, something goes wrong. And then they call us. And then, you know, usually it takes much more time because there has been some gap. We don't know the situation and we've not maintained some of the artifacts or documents which we would normally have done as privacy as a service or rep like the eu representative or dpo as a service and then the effort to recover back and to advise and to understand what do they need is far more than it would have been when it's on a continuous basis and you have something because not every company needs privacy professional in-house but Every company does need, just like you have an accountant and you go to him on a quarterly or her, you know, on a quarterly basis and submit your invoices. That's the same thing with privacy. You need to keep someone on your, say, list of experts to consult and to keep them on an ongoing basis in touch with what's happening in your company. But that, that's, again, something which goes into my other question, which I wanted to ask is, you know, businesses are busy with their business. That's why they exist. And then comes privacy on top. And then come people like us who have to explain privacy. And uh, it's not easy because if we start talking about the rights, the data breaches and everything, they don't care. And if we scare them with the fines and all, 
that doesn't help either. So the truth is somewhere in the middle, wherein you talk about the business benefits, you talk about privacy in their language and help them understand the importance, the relevance of privacy and the related actions. But in your experience, when you've been working with clients, how and what have been your some of the stories or uh, the philosophy with which you are talking to them and explaining privacy in a business understandable language, if I may say. Yeah, I see your point. And uh, yeah, that that's a very, very important topic, I believe, because if uh, if we don't um, make this bridge, let's say, between the way they talk and uh, the way we talk, uh, we cannot uh, do much together. So I really believe that it's our job to, to bring them to the topic, not just to say, well, I'm the expert. They should be listening to what I say and that's it. Uh, we, we, we should we should work really uh, a lot on that, making them understand uh, our, our our grounds. So in that in that field, I would say because uh, I have uh, a background as economist, and um, I think that uh, using their usual tools, their usual business tools, like the maturity model, as I mentioned in the beginning, like Racy Matrix. Uh, tools like that, instruments uh, that they know that they apply in their um, daily daily practice in business. This is the first step to talk their way, not to not to give them the legal language. Oh, you should do that. You should do that. It's it's not the way they understand. If you put in place some of the tools that they are uh, usually uh, using and try to translate through those tools to them, they feel more confident. They, they really understand what you're telling them. They feel more comfortable. They know the language that you're using at this moment. And they feel that there is a bridge between them and you because usually they would uh, tend to think that you're coming from another planet. So uh, it's, it's really, uh, at least so far, it has helped me a lot to do that. The second thing is to make it um, more entertaining let's say in the conversation itself not to be fixed on the fact that oh they brought me as a consultant i should be super serious looking strong etc no you should be super friendly and actually break ties with those people i i tend to introduce some privacy mascots let's say uh, mm -hmm. for example i'm telling them about uh, the chameleon representing actually uh, what personal data is the definition because it's contextual. And um, the fact that this animal changes its color based on context, it's something that they could easily remember. And this is how they connect better to, to, to the topic. Uh, so we, we should put a lot of effort on it to, to translate what we have to tell them, not just to demand them to, to listen to us and to understand us themselves. And uh, finally, uh, uh, the, the third thing that uh, that I do is to wear a funny scarf with cats or, or whatever kind of animals, foxes, uh, whatever you could think of. But it really does help because people uh, tend to, to get more relaxed. The topic itself seems super hard uh, to understand. And to get and uh, when when you see someone that uh, is approaching you in a in a more funny way in a, in a more occasional way, 
uh, then it, it, it really helps them to, to get their mindset ready to, to, to get new information and that it will be understandable to them. So mm -hmm. this is this is what this is these are my tricks, <laughs> but um, hopefully uh, they really help. No, of course they help, and I think that reminds me of an example. I was talking to a DPO in the UK, and uh, she was telling me that she dresses up as a witch. So, uh, but on on the other side, she always is very friendly. So. On one hand, she looks like a witch, but I mean, dresses up like a witch, not looks like a witch. And the other hand, she's so polite and helpful. So she says she wants to create an image with people. Ah, you should talk to that witch when the data protection matters come in. And since she's friendly, it also helps. But that was a little bit, in my view, stretching it a bit too far because you're also involving a little bit too much of yourself in the game. While you do need to attract attention, but daily dressing up as a witch uh, that I don't know if that's that's uh, as far as that I want to go. Uh, but there's no easy answer. Uh, let me ask you some uh, uh, quick questions. So if uh, you were to start in an organization in privacy field as a consultant, what were the first three things you will do? Oh, that's an interesting one. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So first thing will be to understand what their business is, mm -hmm. to, to study their industry. And I've done mm -hmm. that so far uh, numerous times. I really need to understand their context uh, mm -hmm. to see what they aim at, because this is going to define their mindset and mm -hmm. uh, their risk appetite in terms of compliance, I would say. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely the, uh, understanding the, the industries is the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing would be to to see what is their um, culture. Uh, I, I would try to get this uh, from different people in, in, into informal conversations, let's say, but to see what the culture is, because this would actually show me uh, how the change process will go with them. Mm -hmm. Because you know that uh, becoming compliant or going towards compliance, it's it's actually a change process. Mm -hmm. So we know the five stages of grief, <laughs> and it's the same goes with uh, with uh, with change process. So it would be super important what the culture is to see how how much time they are willing to spend uh, between the different stages, denial, negotiation, etc. And uh, the third thing, um, yeah, that's going to be to to actually get uh, get the the insights from the seniors. Uh, what what would be actually their willingness to 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 go for it? Uh, mm -hmm. To see what their attitude is, uh, what is their level of understanding, because uh, they will have to to uh, to do the sponsorship if they don't. Uh, if they don't believe in it, if they don't uh, go with uh, high ambitions, let's say, uh, this this should be considered in the beginning when designing whatever you go for. Mm -hmm. Interesting, you know. So context, culture, and commitment—that's what you focus on. Definitely. The context well, of the organization, the culture of the organization, and the commitment of senior management. 
yeah. it, it's very very essential because sometimes uh, someone asked me uh, i was on a podcast uh, i mean as a guest somewhere and they asked me where would you start with the, the privacy implementation i said i will start at the top because if at the top the tone of senior management is right and they are supportive and they are starting to understand then it makes sense and if it doesn't start there it doesn't start and because if you have to establish a culture of privacy you start at the top nowhere else so that commitment of senior management is very important let me ask you another question typically when we go to companies especially those who are not big ones i mean of course there are companies where in their like i worked in one there were 55 uh, privacy lawyers and uh, we were about 55 or 60 uh, non-lawyer privacy people so when we had to do an offsite it was a huge challenge because who do you invite who do you not and assembling uh, say 100 people was also not easy across the world when you have to guide them and, and get them but the challenge was what i have seen is while that's another extreme wherein you can manage you have different sets of challenges but the other side is when they don't have a privacy department completely opposite and they do have a security department and they say but we have a security department why do we need a privacy person how do you help them understand the difference between security and privacy yeah i i see your point and it's super valid uh, i i see that uh, pretty often uh, most of the companies i work with uh, are internationals uh, so they are not at that level Oh, but um, yeah, but uh, related to my uh, academic research, uh, because I, I'm currently uh, doing an academic research on uh, how GDPR affects business processes in uh, smalls and mediums, mm -hmm. um, and in particular in my country. But it's pretty much the same because if, if you're looking at a startup, it's pretty mm -hmm. much to people in a garage. Mm -hmm. So uh and uh, it, it, it has uh, its um let's say standard aspects but um uh, because of it i i have the opportunity to see uh, lots of them and how they respond to that so the way i do it uh is that i tell them that security the word itself if, if you go to understand the semantics of the word there are different aspects of security different ways of security uh, there could be uh, the cyber security within digital environment. There could be the physical security uh, of your body, let's say. At the same time, there is your legal security in terms of uh, legislation. So there are different aspects of security. Security does not mean just one thing, which is the, the most common recently. Um, and that's why I try to, to make them just um, step aside and see the bigger picture this way and it works i would say it works when when you explain them what legal security means they they tend to 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 realize uh what is behind because they know there are rules but they don't look at them as as a protection for themselves they, they don't see the rules as as a, as a protective mechanism they see it as mostly a requirement for them how to behave at the same time I tell them, okay, but when you're driving, when you're uh, on the road, you're protected by others following the same rules. So it's kind of protection for you. Mm -hmm. And this is how they, they, they get to understand that. And um, 
at least this is how I start this conversation. With with everyone, it goes different way because their background would be different, etc. But at least the 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 the, the conversation the conversation starts from from this. Interesting. And now, based on this conversation, if somebody wants to ask, can you describe in short what do you do, so that they can contact you? What would you tell them? Yeah, sure. Um, of course, um, uh, I could explain them in an understandable language. What is it all about? Uh, to help them see where do they fit, um, what, what their ambitions are to realize it, to understand what they want to, to get out of it, uh, to, to, to bring them information, relevant information about the risks they, they are willing to take so that they get informed decisions. And of course, to help them with um, all the different aspects of it, uh, since uh, I think my expertise so far and my practice uh, has put me into different roles and positions so that I've seen it uh, from uh, all the angles. So yeah, that's what I do. And where do they reach out to you? What's the best way to contact you? Yeah, I think that would be LinkedIn. Uh, I'm using it a lot. Uh, I think uh, this network is uh, is uh, super useful for people like us. It's been useful to me to connect with uh, with other professionals like you and to learn from them. Uh, and, and it helps me every day. At the same time, it helps me a lot to be discoverable by people who are looking for people like me uh, in order to do business. So I think LinkedIn would be would be the best opportunity. That's true. LinkedIn is where we were all are very active these days. And sometimes I wonder how many times I go there in a day. But then there are days when I don't go there because I'm busy. But yes, LinkedIn is the place to be. And with that, I have to say, I don't even understand how the time flew by. But thank you so much for your time, Ina. And it was wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for it for the invitation once again i'm really happy to be here with you as i've uh, listened to people that i admire from from this same uh, podcast so i'm really happy to, to to participate thanks once again thank you fit for privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating defining and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff we also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www.fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit4privacy.com. Thanks for listening. If you liked the show, feel free to share it with a friend and write a review. If you have already done so, thank you so much. And if you did not like the show, don't bother and forget about it. Take care and stay safe. Until next time, goodbye. If you have questions or suggestions, feel free to drop an email at hello at fitforprivacy.com. That's hello at F-I-T, the number four privacy.com.